You're listening to Creatives Prevail, unraveling the stories of creative professionals. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Creatives Prevail. I am your host, Mike Zimmerlich, and my next guest is president of Women in Music, Nicole Barcelona. In this interview, we discuss how she went from zero to 60 in developing a career in the music industry by working with legendary musician Stephen Van Zandt and going on tour with Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band. We also dive into how Nicole got involved with Women in Music and the organization's impact on the industry. Let's get into it. Hey, Nicole, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing good. Thanks. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. I really do appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I do want to do a quick shout out to Big Picture Media because they are the ones who arranged this. And so we actually had Dana, who's the founder. She was actually one of my prior guests. And that episode came out not too long ago, in fact. And she's an amazing person. Amazing. So cool. Such an awesome woman and mom and and executive. Absolutely. And in fact, this is the first time that we are actually officially talking, but our, you know, your organization I've actually been involved with because I'm also part of I Voted as well as Emily White's podcast. And Emily has also been uh, a guest on the podcast before too. So it's kind of funny how all our worlds, you know, it's, it's so funny how worlds collide, but I guess we're all in the same small world, if that makes sense. It is so true. The music industry is a teeny little, teeny little village. <laughs> it's true. And speaking of which, you have a really interesting story. When I was doing some research into your career, because you didn't start in the music industry, but when you did, you really got into it very, very quickly and then jumped the chain quite fast, actually. And, you know, and I'm not going to spoil what that exactly is just yet, but that's truly incredible because I know that at least for myself, it took taken many, many years to even get to where I, I am now. And you you really got into it very quickly at a very prominent level. So kudos to you for that. Oh, well. Uh, it had a lot to do with kind of my own little village. Um, my parents were, my mom was a rock journalist from, from England, um, and came over when she was in her early twenties, uh, to write actually the first interview in the U S with a British publication with the Beatles. Um, so that was like her first thing that she did, <laughs> um, talk about going from zero to 60. <laughs> and, right. Um, and my dad was a young agent, um, and he worked uh, on step with the Beatles and then worked with all the British invasion bands um, when they came over and um, started premier talent agency. So I grew up in a very chaotic rock and roll, rock and roll, um, like lifestyle. You know, we were on, on a tour with bands during the summers and, um, you know, artists were at our dinner table at, at night. Um, and so it was very non-traditional upbringing, but um, Alex, um, Stephen Van Zandt says that I was like the Alex P. Keaton of the family because with everything that was like very laid back and rock and roll and like no rules, I was the one who was like telling everyone to turn the music down and get to bed on time. Um, and so that was kind of where I started and didn't want to work in music just because I it was like a family business and it seemed super 
I mean, back then boring to me because it was just what my, what my parents did, um, which is funny now to look back and think that that was boring. Um, and I wanted to get into corporate and uh, crisis PR of all things. And I think part of it was that like, I grew up around a lot of artists and a lot of personalities. And I loved like the idea of kind of corralling all of the chaos a little bit. Um, and I certainly had like my mom's penchant for writing on the, on the journalism side and just loved the idea of um, working kind of cre creatively in that capacity with folks. So I studied, I studied PR and media relations um, and then realized very quickly in internships in college that that was like a very corporate environment that I was not really suited for. Um, a very like nine to five situation, whereas my hours were, you know, a little bit more on the rock and roll end of things. Um, and so I was applying for jobs after college at all of these like big corporate firms. And Stephen Van Zant um, had a festival on Randall's Island in New York. He was doing for his media company and radio show Renegade Nation at the time. And um, his assistant, who I had been friendly with, called one day and said, listen, we need someone to work on this festival. And since you like know your way around artists, would you maybe just come just work for us for a week on this um, and do like the artist relations side? Because Stephen knows that you can kind of handle the, the artist side of things. So I was like, all right, like, I don't even know what you do at Renegade Nation. I'm not sure what this is going to be, but I'm happy to help out for a week. So this was like a temp job. Literally, I thought it was just going to be for five days. And I was working up until four in the morning every night. And it was totally chaotic and crazy in the best way. And he had a Stephen built a rotating stage for this festival. So there was no like turnover. And it broke in the middle of like the first set. It was a disaster. There was a hurricane. We had a guy with a Doppler out in a trailer in the back who was like tracking this hurricane that was coming through. I mean, it was complete chaos. And uh, I never looked back. I was like, will you hire me? <laughs> At the end of this week, I was like this, I don't know what I was thinking with corporate crisis PR, but like this is the chaotic environment that I adore. And with the musicians um, from all over the world for that festival, it was just like melding of all my favorite things. Um, and so I ended up working first as an assistant there, like making coffee and um, faxing because back then we used fax machines. And um and then I started, you know, I think that was the benefit of working at a really small indie company starting out. Like I was thrown into the fire from day one and there was so much to do and we, it wasn't a really structured environment. Stephen was always really forward thinking in that way. He always thought like a four day work week made more sense for people's uh, like effectiveness and also mental health. And um, we didn't have, this was before open offices. We didn't have any offices. Like it was a big loft space and everyone just had desks, which is so funny that like now there have been all these studies around like how that really fosters collaboration, right? So he mm -hmm. just was so out of the game in so many ways. So um, I was able really to work on a million different things at that company and get experience in radio, in international um, market development with, he had a record label with all these international artists. And we had um, a radio, the radio show on and he was like, well, just call different radio stations in this market and see if they'll pick up the show. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, we need someone who like does this. He's like, no, you don't, you just do it. You know, like, like this is how the world works. You know, coming out of college, you think there's like so much structure to everything. It turns out um, I learned like by getting thrown in that way, just uh, if you just get it done, it comes together. And so um, I gained so much experience and I kind of, you know, was able to find out what I liked and didn't like across so many different areas of the business. Um, I started, out as Stephen's assistant on tour with the East Street Band, like you said, when he back, went back on the road with Bruce in the, in the East Street tour. Um, and that was like 
incredible. Um, just incredible to get that kind of experience. We were like running his company while on the road too. So I was doing kind of international market development, affiliate relations, um, you know, record label distribution operations for his indie label, all of that stuff while also being a road manager to Steven on the road. So dealing with like all the logistics of what that meant day to day. Um, and so we would be like in Stockholm, for example, and instead of sleeping in after flying in at two in the morning from the show the night before, Steven and I were up at, you know, seven in the morning, going to the local radio station, going to the local record store, pitching them on distribution of his indie label. So it was just an amazing, amazing way to really learn about a million different things within the industry. Um, and I, I think that, you know, when I talk to people who are coming out of school these days or getting into the business in the early stages of their career, I'm always encouraging them to go to places where you get that kind of experience where, you know, you're not just doing one really specific thing all the time. But I feel like that was the most incredible way to get thrown in. And then from there, figure out exactly where it didn't take me 10 years to then find out exactly where I wanted to be. I knew because I was doing like 15 different things in those first five years of my career. So um, it was just an amazing, amazing way to jump in and get started. Was was there what were the things that you found that you didn't like to do? Such a good question. Um, I think that you know what I ended up what I ended up doing after being at at Renegade Nation for five years is leaving to to like go work on the beginning stages of an artist career. I went into artist management because I found that like I mean how lucky was I to be with a, a touring you know company that is like one of the greatest in history and like the biggest stadiums around the world we're playing I mean amazing amazing experience but at that stage you're not really building anything you know what I mean you're you're like just kind of operating with something that has already grown over decades and so I really wanted to be instrumental in kind of those early stages of an artist's career and, and figuring out like the problem solving of how we make it work from the, the beginning and so um as crazy as it might have been I I stepped back from that kind of like A-list stadium touring uh, career um, to working with indie artists just starting out because I really wanted to say like, okay, how, how where can I bring value that is different from, um, you know, what what is happening in your career today? So I was able to kind of find a few incredible artists um, and work on international development with them because that's what I, I really found exciting was those kind of early years of, of problem solving. It's one of my passions as well. I, I love working uh, on artist development specifically, especially for early stage artists, because you get to be involved at that level where you're helping craft their career and finding those opportunities. And, you know, like you mentioned, like finding what's working, what's not working with them and then testing things out. And to me, that is so exciting. It's because you just don't know what where's where it's going to go or where, what's going to work or not work. So for me, I that's such a great joy. Yeah, I think so too. It's so much fun. I also want to make a mention too about, you know, you, as you mentioned, you went essentially from zero to 60 very quickly, uh, just like your parents have done it. Do you, what do you feel were the attributes for why Stephen believed in you so early on when, especially when you didn't have much experience yet? I mean, you had experience as a kid, uh, right? Uh, being around artists, but being in actually in, a role in the music industry, what would you say would, would have been attributes towards that for yourself? I think that, um, and I think that's something that I take into artist management day to day now too. I think that like growing up around artists and understanding 
um, kind of the, the boundaries to set around an artist and to be caring for that artist and their journey in a certain way that is really respectful. I think also he knew that like, I didn't, I wasn't like starry eyed around or like, I didn't, I was like not impressed by, you know, ABC person. I wasn't going to be like awkwardly asking them for things or making them uncomfortable as a fan in that sense. I think that that was really important. Um, but I think also just like understanding the like respect and boundary setting around artist relations. He knew that I had just like grown up having to know that, like I was always very diplomatic um, around, around artists and, and um, had kind of that had been just like instilled in me by my parents around, around people growing up. So I think that that really helped. And I think that that helps today too. I'm like, you know, when you, when you manage artists and see them in these different situations and have different opportunities come. I think that that's something that I was I was able to do with Steven in his own career when I was working with him when opportunities would come up and now with artists today just like knowing okay this maybe is a really cool opportunity but this artist may be really burnt out and it may be not the best time for them and we need to prioritize their health and wellness before saying yes to xyz or here's this opportunity and I know that you're exhausted and you've been touring for a year but this is something we really need to prioritize um I think like, you know, back then it was knowing that he could trust me around the artists um, just at a basic level. And I think um, that kind of ability to work with creative folks um, also to like understand that I, I like I'm not creative in the sense that like I don't create music or art. Um, and I think being able to work with people who do and understanding that, you know, they need certain time and space and um, being a buffer between like an artist and then the business, um, has always been a space that I felt really comfortable in empowering, uh, the artist and like what other, other opportunity we're facing. So I think also Stephen knew that I was like, I lived a lot in that, that gray area between things and was able to kind of be diplomatic in that sense. Um, and that's something I still take very seriously today with, with artists. I think he said it best when he called you Alex P. Keaton. <laughs> um, um, <laughs> Yeah, I think that's perfect. And for for context, if you haven't seen the show Family Ties, uh, that was Michael J. Fox's character, and his, right, I didn't him, see myself. <laughs> yeah, like his, his family was like very like like sixties, like very hippie, like very laid back. And Alex P. Keaton was like the you know the this these the, the uh, straight faced uh, Republican uh, character that you know loved Reagan, and so it's. <laughs> Like that, they had some fun dynamics in that show, and so it makes a lot of sense, right? It's because because you had you were so accustomed to it, and were not necessarily impressed, you know, directly impressed by it, is that you were able to come from a different perspective and made sure that business was being taken care of, no matter who those people were. And you know that that goes a lot to you as an individual to making sure that you know, like you said, you're setting those boundaries and that respect with those artists. So talk about women in music. How did you get involved with that organization? Yeah. So when I left Steven's business, um, I was like, okay, artist management, let's do it. Like I've done it at this level, you know, with Steven and managing his stuff. And let, let's see how it goes with, with artists earlier in their career. What I didn't realize was starting your own business. is really complicated from an administration, like an administrative perspective. Um, so like I didn't have a legal team to fall back on. I didn't have an accounting team. All of a sudden I was doing all of this stuff myself. And um, I was like, okay, I know some really powerful executives in this business who I could technically go to with questions, but I do not feel comfortable doing that because XYZ person is like way too senior. And I don't want to, 
I don't feel comfortable asking my stupid questions to this, let's say, an entertainment attorney who I've worked with through Stephen, but couldn't, you know, couldn't feel comfortable going to with with what I needed. So I literally Googled women in music and um, I found Wim and I signed up to be a member and I went to some of the networking events and I started volunteering for them. And one day with one of the first clients I signed, I had a publishing offer agreement. And I was like, oh my gosh, I don't, I literally don't know what to do. Like I have zero idea what to do here. And so I had no idea about anything with public. Like I just had no idea about entertainment attorneys, you know, like lingo and the whole thing was just like, oh my gosh, where do I turn? Um, so I emailed the Google group, which was the main way that women in music uh, members connected back then. And um, I said, listen, I have this opportunity. I have no idea what I'm doing. I need to just talk to someone if you have any experience in publishing or if you're an entertainment attorney, would love to just uh, grab 10 minutes on the phone. And I got this overwhelming response of women saying, I am an attorney. I would love to, you know, chat. I work in publishing, happy to help. Overwhelming response. Um, and I ended up talking to a few people, one of whom was my first entertainment attorney and dear friend, um, Jennifer Newman Sharp, who's now at Acceleration Music. Um, she reached out. She was also just kind of in the early years of her career and had a boutique uh, entertainment firm, law firm. And um, she just guided me through every question I had in this way that was so helpful. And I understood everything she was saying. She really just like knew exactly how to explain things in a way that wasn't intimidating and then I could really grasp the concepts that we were talking about not just like you know royalty x means this she was really like walking me through what everything meant and um it changed everything for me I think like finding a network of my peers that I could lean on it wasn't even mentors it was a lot of peer work that I found to be the most empowering um knowing that I could kind of grow with these other women who are around the same age and really also looking for similar kind of career paths and um, had similar kind of values and, and what they were hoping to make their careers day to day and built this amazing network. And so I was um, joined the board in 2013. We were still a really small organization. I think there were like 12 board members. We would order Thai food once a month and meet in someone's office and uh, throw events. And um, I stayed on the board. I moved to Boston a few years later. We didn't have a chapter here. So I was like, why don't we start a Boston chapter? I'm here. We might as well. Um, and the same thing started happening with different members and different board members who had moved. And so we started springing up chapters all over the place. Um, and now we have over 25 chapters all over the world. We just launched collegiate chapters last year, which is so exciting. So we're able to kind of bring resources and opportunities to students before they even get into the industry to hopefully diversify that funnel in in the first place um and to this day like i do not know where i would be in my career without women in music because i truly have built up this incredible network of people who i lean on every single day um and i think the connections that you build through organizations like that um and there are so many now in the music business for different interest groups um but certainly wham has been one where i like wrote people in all the time to wham who i meet in my you know quote unquote, real life outside of women in music volunteership is like in artist management, I will rope people in and I've been able to kind of, I think like, I don't know, I don't know how many people have become mentors, but I just learned so much from all of these women who I get to volunteer with all the time or get to have 
join our mentorship program or internship program or whatever it is. Um, it's just an amazing community of people who are really supportive and want to help diversify the industry more and more. Um, and so it's just a really exciting, exciting, supportive and empowering community. Um, I was just talking to someone an hour ago who's also a mom in music and I met through Wynn and we were just commiserating around like sending our kids to school and trying to get everyone out the door without a fight. Wow. So, <laughs> Which I'm sure is a challenge in itself. <laughs> oh my God. It's just ridiculous. But it's so nice to be able to have that community um, and feel really confident in being your I think like Wim has allowed me to be my my full self in music. Whereas when I was with Steven at that, you know, 15, 20 years, however 15 years ago, there were not there were not a lot of women in the business. There weren't women in leadership positions in the business. So a lot of what I wanted to craft my career toward just didn't I didn't see as possible um and so whim has been a lot of a lot of that for me it's like being able to see other people do something and then you realize you can do it and that kind of representation um is so important I stepped away from Steven's company originally and took a year off before I started in artist management because I, I wanted to have kids one day and a family and I just didn't see anyone doing that in artist management I didn't see any female artist managers aside from like I mean, powerhouse women like Jane Rose, Keith Richards' manager, you know, I had kind of examples of really, really powerful women I had grown up around. Um, but I knew that I kind of wanted a little bit of work-life balance, whereas everyone I had grown up with was like, just devoted their lives to their careers. Um, and turns out, like, that's, you know, I don't know that my family, <laughs> ask my kids, um, what the balance is. I'm not sure there's any real balance ever, but um, I certainly wanted there to, to at least to attempt it. Um, and I saw this Moms in Music panel at South by Southwest one year, and it was this group of artist managers who were also moms. And I was like, oh, my. I was literally about to leave the, leave the industry because I was like, I, this is just not attainable, you know? And I was like, oh my goodness, these these women are doing it. Like they're really, they have their kids sometimes out on the road, sometimes not. They're not, you know, it's not perfect. None of it's easy, but um, it really was a huge shift for me. I was like, wow, I think that I can maybe do this. And so I think that that's so much like a part of what I want to be trying to do every day is just that showing that obviously it's not easy and it's not perfect, but that um, anyone who wants to be in this business can be, if you're not, you know, an artist manager or a creative yourself, like entertainment, accounting, you know, like anything you're interested in. And also if you have a passion for music, there is a place for you in the music business, no matter what. So um, that's just something that I just excites me every day, just, you know, roping people in <laughs> and talent in because, you know, we have so many competing industries these days that take talent um, and whether it's tech or, you know, whatever, I want to make sure that we're getting the super talented, creative, passionate people into music um, to make it a better, a better, more more diverse space as well. Absolutely. Speaking of which, what is your day to day like these days as president? So, um, such a good question. Um, the organization is enormous now in terms of like our volunteership. We have hundreds of volunteers who, oh. um, whose passion is women in music. It's incredible. We have no full-time staff. Like we're not a, a company, we're a nonprofit and we literally, um, work with like volunteers and, and freelancers. Um, and that's only been kind of recent because we've grown so much that we've just needed that extra capacity. Um, so it's a really exciting, chaotic day to day, I would say. Um, I try to balance it with my actual day, day job in artist management, but um, whim often takes over just because it is like what I am so passionate about. And I think all of our volunteers would say that, that. Um, I have, I had like three 
for four meetings today that were WIM related. One was an international chapter launch um, in Africa. One was like a trademark situation. Another one um, was with this amazing organization, Queer Capita, um, that is a community building nonprofit for queer folks in music um, and talking about collaborations that we're going to do there. And then another one was with um, a friend and um, EVP over at Wasserman uh, to talk about how we're gonna collaborate with them on the live side of things um, this year. So just like no day is the same, but it's really all about um, trying to find ways to connect our, our membership and community and to bring more opportunities and resources to our members. And then also like finding out how we can collaborate with these incredible other organizations doing so much work to diversify music and to like create um, places of belonging within music for, for those who are looking for it. Speaking of which, you've been a member of the organization for a long time, in addition to being board and now, of course, being president. What kind of impact have you seen as an organization as a whole since then? That's such a good question. Um, I'd say like when I started with WIM as a volunteer and a member, we were doing um you know, it was it was just in New York, so we, it was a smaller operation, and we were doing monthly panels and events. And now, um, aside from the regular, ongoing, virtual, and in-person programming, we do have over those over twenty-five chapters. We have the collegiate chapters. We have international chapters, which is amazing because we're able to connect um, and learn so much about these emerging markets all over the world. They're so instrumental um, in our kind of growing industry globally. Um, and then we run these really amazing programs that I think um, are probably the most impactful things that we do. One is the mentorship program. We run that every term, um, so every quarter, um, and that focuses in on different uh, interests. So right now we are working with Music Managers Forum US on our artist management term so anyone who's interested in artist management um, applies. Unfortunately, the deadline just passed. Otherwise, that would have been useful. But um, mentors can sign up anytime. Uh, and we match people based on all the data in their applications. And then we host a kickoff meeting and a wrap meeting. And in between that, they get to set up mentorship um, sessions with one another. So that's really great because we, we hear so often that the mentors are learning from the mentees just as much as the mentees are learning from the mentors. I think that's the beautiful part, um, especially these days with like how quickly technology moves. I feel like the mentors are always really excited to learn like what the next thing is and how to um, how to implement kind of newer strategies. Um, and we have an executive internship program, which is the other thing that I think is one of the coolest things that we do. Um, and that piloted in, I think it was two or three years ago, we did the pilot program that came out of um, our DNI committee wanting to find a way to get more diverse candidates into jobs. And so we place, um, this first summer, I think it was 10 candidates. We had over a thousand applicants, which was overwhelming, but wow. we had 10 candidates and we placed them into partner companies for paid internships. So let's say, uh, you know, let's say Sony says, okay, we have an internship spot that we're going to hold for a women in music candidate. We send them the top three candidates based on what they were looking for. Um, and then they get to choose and we match them together. And so that candidate gets a paid summer internship in that company. And the first pilot program summer, four of the 10 were hired into full-time positions right after the internships. That's incredible. So Yeah. And two others got jobs through that network. So it wasn't directly with the company they had interned with, but um, just like incredible, incredible to see that tangible 
impact happening in real time when you're like, oh, cool, this is going to be a really great experience for these people over the summer. And then you're like, oh my goodness, they literally, that, that just changed the trajectory of their careers. <laughs> um, so things like that are just so meaningful to us. Um, we also host a virtual summit every year, which we started during the pandemic uh, out of necessity. And now it's just become a really cool three days of virtual programming and then in-person programming in different chapter markets for just networking. Um, but that is fun because we get to see like people logging in from all over the world in the middle of the night in some countries to see the programming and they're in the chat. And then you see someone else saying something and they end up connecting and like we hear that they have either partnered together or like visited one another when they were traveling to a conference internationally, just like really cool connections um, that are happening and people bringing opportunities to one another. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful thing. And, and to be able to create that community, um, it's just really special. I think all of our, I've never worked in any organization where volunteers are as passionate and dedicated, but like our chapter teams all over the world, um, this is just, you know, one of the things that brings everyone the most joy. So it's just a wonderful organization to be a part of. Which is amazing, by the way. And uh, I can vouch personally for myself as uh, being a mentor on, I definitely do. I've mentored at South by Southwest as well as for Grammy U and in many other ways as well. But uh, I find so much joy being a mentor because not only do I get to pass on my knowledge to somebody else, and help their career. But on top of that, I learned to just, I would say, honestly, sometimes just as much as I'm delivering, I'm learning as well, because I'm understanding what is the next generation looking for and what, you know, what is currently what what is out there. So it, it definitely is so beneficial to be a mentor. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. And that came out of we had a study we did with Berkeley College of Music back in 2018 and 2019. And mentorship was rated one of the number one things that um, positively impacted women's careers from that survey. And that's why we started the program. We were like, okay, here's some actual data to show us what people want. And um, it's been it's been really, really impactful. And we do it again, like every quarter is a different theme. So it's fun because it kind of gets to, we get to kind of rope in and rally different groups of people who, you know, want to get involved in the organization, but can't necessarily volunteer on day-to-day -day stuff in a chapter. Um, so it's been exciting to, to have some really, high-level executives involved. We also um, launched our ambassador program for people like um, Rhapsody, who I just saw on Netflix's Women of Hip Hop. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's mind-blowing. And she was on there and I was like, man, we are, our ambassadors are no joke. Like we, we have some of the most mind-blowing people who dedicate their time and energy um, to getting, you know, to educate and empower and advance women in music. So um, for anyone who's interested, we have like a myriad of ways to get involved, whether you want to get involved in a local chapter team, um, provide an internship, become a mentor, be a mentee at any stage of career, um, or be ambassadors or launch a new chapter. Um, we just got a note from someone at UCLA and we're going to be um, working on a UCLA chapter. So it's just like, if it occurs to you and you want to see it happen, email us and <laughs> hopefully we can, we can bring it to fruition. So for the music industry as a whole, I would like to talk about that because, of course, the initiative for women in music is to have women be more integrated into the music industry. So because, like, as you mentioned, that sometimes um, I know that I've heard this from a number of women that they feel that is so male dominated that they don't have they don't have a role there or so so difficult for them to get a role in in the music business. 
So what are some things that you would suggest that the music industry as a whole can improve upon to to continue to diversify uh, the, you know, the professionals that are in the industry that we're in? So I think that, you know, there are a couple of things at play. One is that um, we need to be really intentional in hiring practices to make sure that we are uh, attracting the best talent and making sure that we have a, you know, a workplace that women and, you know, folks who identify across any spectrum um, feel like they have a place of belonging in community. Um, I think that's one thing is I, I remember I went to, when I was applying for jobs years ago, um, I went to this one company, it was a tech company and um, they had a, a, it was a pumping room for breastfeeding mothers turns out, but they called it a nap room. Cause like the company was probably 99% men. I did not see a single woman on that floor. And they were like, here's a nap room. And I, I was like, I don't, there's, I don't think there's like a rocking chair. Like, I'm pretty sure this is a, a maybe a mother's room. And they were like, oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. We just call it the nap room because no one ever uses it. And I was like, wow, this is not a place I would apply to work. <laughs> you know, like that's not a way to make someone feel as though they would be uh, supported <laughs> in a workplace. Um, and so I think it was not, this was a tech, a music tech company. So, you know, this was not a music company. Um, but I, I will say that, like, I think that that's, really, really critical is making sure that like we're intentional in the ways we're hiring people, that we're intentional in the ways that we're creating a work uh, environment, um, that we are making sure we have benefits for people and not just like maternity leave, but for paid parental leave. So I don't want to know that I'm going to a company that's going to give me a maternity leave, but not my partner paid family leave because then the onus is on me. <laughs> so just making sure that we're treating everyone equitably to um, to kind of carry the load rather than um, finding ways to only, you know, work around uh, dynamics that involve women, but really making sure that we're creating more of a holistic approach um, to what everybody needs, whether it's, you know, leave for caring for an elderly parent um, that often falls to women um, all of that stuff is just really, really important in terms of what folks look for. Um, and if you're applying for jobs and you're not seeing that, women are probably not going to apply. So uh, making sure that we really have an eye on on what we're presenting as opportunities. And then, um, you know, I think that safe spaces are something that women want to see when they're applying. So knowing that if something came up where they were uncomfortable or something happened, they would have an HR department to go to. And music, it's so difficult because with so many small companies, um, we don't always have that kind of structure, but just knowing that like uh, there are resources available. Um, and I think mentorship is a really important part too, like knowing within your company that there are people who you can go to and learn from. Um, who have kind of lived a similar journey. Um, as I said, I'm a mom and like, that's a huge thing for me when I meet someone, another artist manager who's a mom, who's maybe, you know, a few years ahead of me um, and has gone through the toddler and uh, elementary school ages that I'm in right now. Like there's nothing that makes me feel more supported and understood than someone who's like, oh my gosh, you know what? I realized we scheduled our call at this time and you had a block on your calendar for school pickup because you had to be there that day for a doctor. You know what I mean? Like that kind of stuff really impacts who I choose to work with. Um, and I think that like being that, and, and this is not like female identifying folks only. Like I have a, a man on my, one of my label teams who is constantly that person for me is constantly, if we're in a meeting and someone interrupts me, he will say, oh, I think Nicole was just in the middle of saying something. Like he always has my back. And uh, that goes like 
so far <laughs> in terms of who I then pick up the phone and call when an opportunity comes up, because I know that that person um, has an eye on kind of creating an equitable, comfortable workspace. Um, and that step is really important. So aside from like what companies can do in terms of offering benefits that support um, things that traditionally fall to women, I think also, you know, making sure we do have that kind of equitable eye on on everyone and supporting everyone in the way that we all as human beings need to be supported in the workplace. Um, and then also just being thoughtful about how we're um, creating community with one another, just, you know, person to person. Um, again, folks like who are across the gender spectrum and you had asked me my pronouns, my preferred pronouns before we started, which was so kind, like making sure that we're all just supporting one another in whatever way to know that like this is a comfortable space and I I'm here to support you. I think that that's like what we can all do in our day to day to make this a, a better industry because certainly when I started out that was not the vibe. <laughs> we've yeah. come a long way. We've a long way to go, but we've come a long way. I'm I'm glad that you mentioned that because it is it is a mutual effort, right? And into right. into being aware of where we need to adjust as a society as well as in general, making sure that we're having a level of respect for all of each other of our needs and our needs are different, you know, on a per individual basis and based upon, you know, our, you know, our, our, our biology as well. We're all different in those ways. And it's being aware of that and trying to accommodate as much as we possibly can and how we can be better about accommodating those for whatever those, those needs are. Absolutely. So we can start wrapping things up here. I do like to ask a couple of fun questions for my guests. Uh, so the very first question I actually am going to ask you, which I'm really, really excited about the answer for now that I know your background, the first concert that you ever went to. Oh my goodness. So I don't know the answer because I was taken to concerts as an infant and don't remember any of them, but definitely like, I'm sure it was either like, probably the who or led zeppelin um probably one of the british invasion bands because that was uh where we spent a lot of time as, as in my infancy <laughs> do you have a, a early memory of a concert that you went to i do i have an early memory of a bon jovi concert um and uh apparently john bon jovi asked me who i preferred because he was on tour and it's the same time as springsteen touring and they were both like at their high their peak you know like really really badass 80s tours um maybe 90s i don't know how, how old i was at this point i think i was still very young um and he said uh which show was better mine or bruce's <laughs> and I said I liked them both equally and that's when my dad was like Ooh. yes yes <laughs> right right then and there you had an early age you this, this, this is, even if you didn't know it at the time that was your destiny exactly so. <laughs> uh then maybe this one's gonna be a little bit more uh controversial what's your go-to song to sing in the car Oh my goodness. I mean, Taylor Swift. I not to, I'm not on the Taylor Swift train. I have loved Taylor ever since the beginning. And um I'm glad that now I can really shout it from the rooftops because uh now she's just literally, you know, running the world. <laughs> Her and Beyonce yeah. and Pink. I mean, it's just been amazing this summer to see these incredible artists. But um anything Taylor Swift, I am always singing at the top of my lungs. Um and I really love Casey Musgraves. Casey Musgraves is not something I sing in the car. It's actually, I have her um, her records like on loop on my streaming platforms when I'm doing work. 
when I need to focus for some reason, it's like the one thing I'm able to listen to that I can like really fully focus. So those are my, those are my two go-tos. Those are amazing choices. If you were to only be able to give one piece of advice to women who are looking to pursue a career in the music industry, what would that one piece of advice be? Yeah, that is a really good question. I would say um, that I would tell them they're not supposed to know everything. Like, don't feel like you're supposed to know everything. You're not. I learn something new legitimately every single day. Um, and I think that was one of the biggest hurdles for me at the beginning was feeling like this imposter syndrome, like I was supposed to know the answer to everything and I didn't. And that stopped me, I think, from pursuing a lot of things that I probably would have had I felt confident. Like, no, I think you get to a certain age where you realize like no one knows what they're doing most of the time anyway, just in life in general. So don't feel like you need to know everything all the time. That's the whole point. Um, And that's, again, why organizations like Women Music exist to like empower you with those educational and career development resources to make sure you do feel confident. Um, But like, we're all just figuring it out day to day as human beings. So uh, don't worry about that. That is so important advice and something that I personally have wished that uh, I knew earlier on as well, because you feel that you should know these things. And if you don't, and, and no matter where you're at in your career, that you should, you should know these things. And you, first of all, you don't know what you don't know. And second of all, there's, it's impossible to know everything. And I even, you know, I've been in the music industry now for over 15 years, and there's still things that I'm learning, some basic things I still end up learning about that I just we just never really came to my attention before. And that's okay. You're not, like you said, you're not supposed to know everything. Right. And I feel like also the industry, we don't get enough credit for being extremely complex. Like this business is very, very, very complicated. There are a lot of different micro businesses inside the entertainment industry and like publishing, label relations, law. Like, the, I mean, you could spend all day just, I mean, thinking through all of the different complicated things. Royalties, forget it. I mean, I have to Google stuff all the time because I'm just like, wait, what was this? What's the breakdown of the MLC versus Sound Exchange versus your PRO? Like, oh my God. It just, it's a really complicated business. And so, you know, I think the biggest mistake is I didn't ask questions all the time early on because I felt like I should know the answer to those questions. I remember the first artist I worked with the um, agent asked me for her tour writer. And I was like, what the hell's a tour writer? Like, this is literally like, I had been like, I, on the tour with Springsteen, I never had to deal with writers. You know what I mean? Like, I was just like at a different stage. And so then all of a sudden I was like, oh gosh, you're tech writer. I don't even know. I literally must have put off for two weeks sending this agent, this writer, because I thought it had to be formatted in some perfect way. I thought there was something I was missing. No, like you're not missing anything. It's just, everybody is just figuring it out. So ask all the questions and and don't feel intimidated. Those would be my key pieces of advice. Well, they're great pieces of advice. Well, thank you so much again for being on the podcast. I really do appreciate it. And thank you so much for all the work that you're doing uh, for women in the music industry. We, we, we definitely need more people like you, you know, really making a push on these efforts. So thank you so much. Well, thank you so much for having me and the work you do. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Creatives Prevail. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with others or leave us a review. They are an immense help. Now go out there and make something happen.